Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to another dose of NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Thank you for listening to the first two podcasts. We've had some great numbers tuning in to the first two episodes. And it's great to see, so let's keep it up. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Uh, you can do it via iTunes and also on Spotify. And alongside me this morning, I have Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Morning, Luke. And that's Chris Pratt on the other end as well. Hello, Chris. Yeah, hello, Luke. And we've also got Dickie. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. Are we mentioning it's your birthday, by the way? Thank you, Dickie. Yeah, you're the only one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Luke. Great stuff. Well, there's only one place to start, and Halifax fans are going wild for Pete. Uh, he's led them to a third successive victory, the only team with a 100% record in the National League. I was there on Saturday for their 1-0 victory over Dagenham Redbridge, a hard-fought victory. He scored in the 15th minute through Liam McAlinden against the run of play slightly. Dagenham probably had 80% of possession throughout the game. Couldn't really do anything with it, although they produced one of the worst misses of the season through Joe Quigley, two yards out. He couldn't convert and it just wasn't Dagenham's day. So before I caught up with Pete Wilde, I caught up with the media team, or one half of the media team, George Benson. No, not that one, but he does do the commentary for the in-house commentary at Dagenham and Redbridge, and here are his thoughts. So I'm joined here in the press box by uh, the brilliant name, George Benson. He's from uh, the Dagenham and Redbridge media team here, and George, we've just seen Dagenham lose by a goal to nil, and they dominated possession, but didn't really have a cutting edge in the end, did they? Yeah, it was, as you said, just a, a lack of clear-cut chances really in the end that really was our undoing. We um, we lacked the final ball in the final third, but overall, I think there were still some positives there, but it just was. If we'd have got the ball in the back yeah. of the net, I think it would have been a different story. It's a kind of a, a team in transition, isn't it, from last season to this season with the money that's coming in, they're trying to get that squad knit together, and you could kind of see that at times, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's make no bones about it. There's still been 11 new players coming this season. It's not like this was a squad last year that was that stayed together over the summer. There's a lot of new faces. I, I'm not expecting it to kick off the ground straight away there's going to be a little bit of transitional time as you said and the, the really the, there are positives to take from this but like we said it's a team in transition and there are going to be teething problems yeah you've had three games and it's just uh, well one win from those three games so uh, not a horrendous start but probably wanted to do a bit better yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the colour of opposition we played, we'd have probably liked to have beaten Woking at home. Getting a win away at Dover on Tuesday night was a really good result. And then coming here today, Halifax are flying at the moment. Yeah. That's three wins, maximum points. Um, so I think looking at the end of the season, we could look back on this and think maybe a one nil win isn't uh, what, sorry one nil defeat rather isn't yeah. isn't too bad. And in terms of sort of you seeing the club for over the last twelve months, how has it been transformed since the new owners have come in? Oh, listen, at, at the start of the season, last season rather, this club was on its knees. Um, the way that they've come in they've rejuvenated not only the playing squad but the, the ground as well there's new seats installed we've got some cracking players that have been able to come in and, um, and we've spent variable size of money on some of these new recruits um, and now we're looking at a squad that can compete in this division and yeah it's just been really positive the owners coming in and I can't I can't praise them enough what is the aim for this season then is it do the owners want success straight away I is in, you must get in the playoffs this year that's what the aim is. I think they understand as well that, like we've just discussed, this is a team in transition. 
Um, it might not stick this year, but the overall aim is to get back into the Football League in the next couple of seasons. Like any team in this yeah. division, you want to get out. Yeah. Um, and Dagenham are a club that have been in the Football League and that's where the owners want us to be. Brilliant. Cheers, George. Well, best of luck for the rest of the season. And that was George Benson, and we wish them well for the rest of the season. After that, I rushed down to the tunnel and caught up with the victorious manager, Pete Wilde. So I'm here with Pete Wilde after a 1-0 win, and Pete, you're the only team in the National League with a 100% record. How do you feel? It's great to get points on the board early doors. It's just been a good week, and then we've got to make sure that we just say it's a good week, it's nothing else. Um, but like I say, the quicker you get points on the board, the, the better it is you're not chasing things come later on in the season you probably didn't have as much possession as you would have liked today but uh, you scored probably against the run of play but then you really dug in didn't you second half especially yeah we've, uh, in all the three games we've found different ways to win the game and, and we've been uh, done it three different ways uh, which is really pleasing that it shows we're not one dimensional to be fair second half they probably negated what we're good at and, and we dropped far too deep and tactically that's something that we need to address to make sure teams don't come and negate what we're good at now, before you came in, I was reading the forums, they had a couple of games, cancelled lack of players. How did you find the club when you come in? Did you find a lot of negativity? Have you had to pick everything up? Yeah, I just found a club that, that's a really good club, just needed getting a grip off it and driving forward. And, and one thing I can say about the players is they've, they've took to me and Chris from day one. Uh, they try to implement what we want from them. And like I say, the quicker you do that, the better. You seem to ooze positivity as well, Peter. That seems to be going into the players and the crowd as well. Even in the warm-up, they, they were buzzing, weren't they? Yeah, that's one thing. One message I want around the club is if, you, if you're positive, if you enjoy coming to work, you've always got a chance. So the real thing that we're trying to do as staff is make sure that everybody enjoys coming to work. And if you enjoy it coming to work, you get better out, you get more out of people. And it's a fact of life. Now, obviously, we know about your spell at Alden. You had two sort of caretaker spells there. Did that kind of prepare you for management, your first proper managerial job here? Well, yeah, first one was a caretaker. Second one was, was head coach. And yes, it prepared me because I think the League Two is quite similar to the National League in, in that respect. And But I had quite a lot of adversity to deal with Alden where here it's mm. been a, a much more positive environment for me to deal with. Has that helped you with any sort of off-field issues as well? Obviously, there was a lot going on at Alden, wasn't there? Yeah, there's not been any off-field issues here to deal with, really. It's, yeah. been, it's been quite quite simplistic compared to what I've come from. Um, so, yeah, in terms of that, hopefully it makes me a better manager, a better coach as I go through my career. In terms of aims this season, um, they finished out of mid-table last year. Are you looking at the players? Is it too early to think about anything like that? I've got an aims and the, the, the players in the dressing room have got aims, but I ain't putting that out in the media. Not a chance. <laughs> Cheers, Pete. Thanks. All the best. Thanks a lot. And that was Pete Wilde and Chris... You know him well as, as as well as I do. He did a really good job at Oldham, and he's such a positive person. As as I mentioned in the interview to him there, even at the warm up, he was really positive, getting the crowd going, and it it made for good atmosphere because we know there can be a tough crowd at Halifax. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I covered Oldham quite a bit last season, and uh, well, for a few different managers, but. Uh, I really like the way that Pete Wilde tried to play his football. Everyone liked him around the club. He's obviously been there for years and years and years. I think he's an Oldham lad as well. And um, and I, th I really did think that he'd do a good job at Halifax Town. He didn't really like the circumstances, I think, at Oldham. And uh, he's got them off to a flyer. Yeah, and... It was, it, it, I mean, he did the similar thing last year. He won the first three and then tailed off. But you get the feeling that it's going to be different this time round. Yeah, well, for, you know, for their sort of, for the North's sake as well, we've got AFC filed up there, us Northern boys, haven't we? But uh, apart from that, we could be a bit thin on the ground up at the top end of the table. So, uh, yeah, I think from what I've seen so far, and it's only been on the highlights, I know you were there yesterday, um, but they've certainly got the support there. 
and it looks like they're putting together a good team and the, I, I bet they're playing some good football, Luke. Yeah, I mean, they mixed it up quite well. They, they hit it up to show silver a lot, but I was really impressed with Cameron King for me. He was he was man of the match. He just pulled the strings and whereas last year, they've kept the kind of spine where they don't concede many, but they've got that bit more panache now, especially with Cameron King in there and the likes of Jamie Allen on the wings as well and uh, they look very solid at the back, as I say, and They've got a real test now. They go to Wrexham on Tuesday, who we'll come on to shortly. But just in terms of Dagenham boys, they look very mid-table. And and as George Benson said, I think mid-table's probably going to be their sort of finishing position this year. If they can push for the playoffs, then great. I wonder if they can turn it around like George Benson did. But you Sorry, might have to I'm explain just, uh, that one to the younger listeners. I was going to say, I just... Uh, uh, turn, I, think, I think just turn your love around, but uh, we better check that out, maybe, or we'll leave it out, even. <laughs> so I was just I was just writing the obituary for uh, the death of Rob there, his comedy. And... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Aswad. I think it's... Oh, was it? Turn your love around. Oh, no, that's a different one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a different one, yeah. Okay, yeah, so... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Um, so, of course, it's another Saturday, and it means another Danny Roll goal. A uh, penalty from him meant that they beat Ebsleet by a goal to nil. And although he's only scored penalties so far, Rob, he's, um, he's, he's, he can't knock him. He's still scoring goals, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's the sort of calm figure you'd want to take a penalty for you quite apart from his goal-scoring record. He looks that laid back that it, it wouldn't bother him too much. If he missed anyway, he'd just stick the next one in, wouldn't he? But uh, he's definitely got a better record than Aguero anyway. And it's... Uh, well, I mean, we've all... I think everyone apart from Dickie Biv, um, predicted failed to win the league, didn't we? And um, I've seen nothing to change my mind, although they did struggle to break down Charlie on Tuesday evening when they drew nil-nil there, which is quite a surprising result. Yeah, I think I think the result at Charlie is is a little bit more understandable, to be honest, because that's a local derby for them. And when I was at Chorley, towards the end of the season, throughout the playoff campaign and everything, that's the game they were looking forward to, believe it or not, the filed game. And so I think they'd have got themselves really up for that game. Um, I think I said at the start of the season that that's going to be a difficult place to go with Victory Park as well. It's, it's a bit unusual. It's not like a lot of the other grounds. And, um, you know, as we'll... Come to talk about later on, Charlie. I'm had the worst start this season. As as Reb Sleep boys, well, it's been a really tough start for them, and they do sit bottom with no points so far. But uh, they can't be too far off it, can they? They go one 0 down after just four minutes against Files yesterday, but they stayed resolute. They didn't concede again, and all right, they didn't uh, manage an equaliser. But a tough, tough start for Gary Hill. Uh, they're not too far adrift, though, and uh, I, I guess a lot of his squad did come together quite late, so uh, we may see the best of them in weeks to come. Yeah, and as you said in the preview pod, Rob, um, uh, Gary Hill's so good at getting sort of loan signings in, he pulls a few rabbits out of the hats, doesn't he, to, um, to, to maybe get them safe? Yeah, exactly. He's uh, one that you wouldn't want to write off too soon, and, and obviously the, the league table's taken very, uh, you know, it's got a very early shape to it, and I I, I, I'm a big believer that probably until there's seven or eight games played at least, you shouldn't take too much notice of it. So it's a low ebb down at the bottom, but it's not much better at Meadow Lane. The Magpies occupy the bottom fourth. They're coming down from the Football League. They run the TV game on a Saturday evening against Barnet. It took the lead through a beautiful 
Goal from Enzo Boulderline, a, a, a rocket really, no chance for Scott Lutch and a Barnett goal. But then Barnett replied through through your mate Callum Reynolds, Rob, and then Simeon Akinola, three goals in three games. And Darren Curry, he was joking that he needed a new striker, but Akinola's made it quite hard for him now. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? I think we're looking to see Coulthurst score plenty of goals again for Barnett this season and the continued progress of Efron, Mason, Clark. I don't think too many people were expecting Akinola to hit the ground running with a goal in each of the first three games. Mind you, they probably weren't expecting Callum Reynolds to score either. He doesn't get too many, but uh, he was uh, Johnny on the spot yesterday, uh, just flicking in from about two yards. But had he not done so, there was a goalkeeper's fist and a defender's header that would have cleared it off the line. So, uh, well done, Skip, as I call him, and uh, a great start for Barnett. Um, one or two of you boys predicted him to do well. I wasn't so sure, but they sit there uh, just two points off the lead after the first three games. Well done, Barnett. Yeah, he speaks really well as well, Darren Curry. He's got the authority about him, I think, but also commands respect. And it, there was quite a funny moment, actually, where they announced Cam- Callum Reynolds as man in a match and then gave Simeon Akinola the check and champagne and he had to kind of come back in during the post-match interview with Darren Curry and go, actually, it was me who got man in a match. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that at all, but... No, I missed that bit. Nice one. He was, uh, yeah, he was quick to, uh, you know what Callum, Callum Reynolds is like, he was quick to sort of uh, put the record straight, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Notts County's a lot of disgruntlement there at the minute, isn't it? They've, they've not got off to the start, only that they want, they've not got off to the start that they wanted, only one point from three games. Yeah, well, I was at Notts County on Tuesday night. The very first thing I'd say is that all the staff and the volunteers there were fantastic. And um, I think... Th- there will be a credit for the the National League this season um, when you go there. Very welcoming. But on the pitch, it was a little bit disjointed on on Tuesday night. And obviously, it it looked a little bit that way in the the small bits that I've seen um, on Saturday as well. They've got a lot of new players there. They didn't necessarily gel. But I think we may have a bit of a star of the season there in Jim O'Brien, the centre midfielder at Notts County. He's a fantastic player. And I think he's one that we'll be uh, talking about a lot more this season. Um, and I think I think it was it was mentioned on the TV last night. But I think once they settle into the league and once they realise what it's all about, um, there was a bit of complaining about it was maybe a bit too, uh, f- about physical challenges and stuff like that on um, on Tuesday night. Um, but once they settle in, I think um, I think they'll do all right this season. Yeah, Jim O'Brien's a um, great bit of experience, isn't it? That they need in, in what's going to be probably a youngish team this year, and he's been there and done it up in Scotland and also in in leagues one and two. So he's the type of player that you need to just kind of keep it all together. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a difficult season for them this season. And uh, as as you said, um, there was a bit of disgruntlement after ten or fifteen minutes when they hadn't scored on Tuesday night. So if that's uh, if that's Getting through to the players every game, um, they do need a bit of experience there. You find that though with newly promoted, uh, newly relegated clubs, in that they, they, the fans expect them to be up there, don't they? And if they don't win the first couple of home games, then there is disgruntlement and it, it can kind of transfer onto the pitch. And it's almost better for them to play away at times, maybe. That's a really good point, Luke, that you've made, and it's, 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 it's a point that was also made, funnily enough, by Callum Reynolds in his post-match interview yesterday from the opposition from Barnet. He's saying how Barnet felt a little bit that 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 kind of thing coming down from League Two the the season before, uh, and they look uh, like they're much better equipped to go for it second season. 
Now, we talked about Halifax. As I said, they go to Wrexham on Tuesday night, and they've had a bit of an odd start, Wrexham. They won their opening game against Barrow. They threw away a two-goal lead to draw against Boreham Wood on Tuesday night, and then they were 1-0 up, looking comfortable at Dover before Bobby Grant putting contender of probably stupidest sending off of the season, and Dover nicked two late goals through Ricky Modest and a Sean Pearson own goal, and uh, guys, that sending off was just daft, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was stupid, and and you know what? What a day Wrexham had as well, because there was a late kickoff down there at Crabble, and, um, you know, they'd fought, they were in the game, and uh, get sent off for something stupid like that, and I tell you what, it's a very long coach journey back when everyone's a bit annoyed with you. Yeah, he'll be he'll have been sat at the um, sat at the front on his own by the manager probably, won't he, as, as punishment on the way back there. But reading um, reading the Wrexham forum last night there's a lot of disgruntlement. I mean they're not they're not happy with Brian Hughes, the knives are kind of out for him already and it's it's surely too early, Rob, to be judging him. It is a little bit early, yeah, for sure. Uh and Wrexham well, haven't had the uh they haven't had the the best start. They haven't had the worst either. They got four points out of the first nine. They're uh, they're two points outside the playoff positions at this point, you know, sat in tenth. So it's very, very early days, and they're going to have to be a little bit patient. It's all very well. People just make the comment that uh, that Wrexham don't concede many goals. They need to score more, and they brought in JJ Hooper. But you know, that, that, that's the whole art of football. It's about keeping the clean sheet at one end and getting the balance and scoring the goals at the other. Just because you've got a goal scorer, it doesn't mean that they're going to suddenly fly in and still going to keep the clean sheets. It was a, a tough day for them yesterday and very much kind of a Dover kind of thing. You know, that's their identity, isn't it? It was very much for a long time under Kinnear. Sort of thing they would do, keep going to the end uh, and come up with a late sucker punch winner. So, uh, yeah, well done to Dover. Good start for them. Six points out of the first nine. Uh, credit to them. Wrexham will come again, that's for sure. And Dover, we never mentioned in our predictions at all. They could be a real dark horse this year under Andy Hessenthaler. To be fair, I think Tom did. I think Tom um, picked them out as uh, either an out, you know, a dark horse for the playoffs. He might have even predicted them for the playoffs. I think he did, actually. So uh, he's impressed by the work that Hessenthaler did at the back end of last season and also the signings that he's made in the summer. And it'd be nice for Dover, who've been used to being up near the top end, haven't they, until until last season when uh, they obviously got involved in a little bit of a relegation scrap until they pulled clear just near the end. Yeah, and up at the top as well, along with Fylde and Halifax, is Solihull Moors. And, and who better to, to ask about what happened at the weekend than, than Rob? Because you were there, obviously, with Aldershot. And it was a it was a narrow win, would you say, in the end for Solihull? Yeah, they had to work very, very hard throughout the match to create opportunities. Unfortunately, Aldershot gave them two with penalties. And now that's three penalties given away in three games for Aldershot. So they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot a bit, uh, which is undoing what are otherwise some, some quite decent performances. Solihull Moors, as Danny Searle alluded to in his post-match interview yesterday, are very good at doing what they do. And, and I always add this, they can get it down and play as well, particularly through Jamie Osborne, who signed a new contract in the week, which is a great coup for them. Uh, they did enough. They were the better side. Um, they they missed the first penalty. Mitch Walker saved it from uh, Hawkridge. But uh, they got a second one. And McCallum, having missed when you were there, what, just a week ago, uh, Luke, against Harrogate, he, he felt it was his turn turn again and came around very quickly and he stuck his one away. And had a brilliant finish from Matt Stenson, uh, Stenson coming on just three or four minutes after he came on. Prolific pre-season has given that guy a lot of confidence. Shots got back into it with a first-ever goal for 
young Ethan Chislett, um, feather in the cap there for Tom, who said he's going to do bits at this level. Um, yeah, so just uh, a difficult defeat for Aldershot to take, but they've gone toe-to-toe against Fylde and Solihull Moors now, not been too far off of them in the first week, so uh, hopefully a better season for the shot. Yeah, we talked about stupidest sending off uh, goes to Bobby Grant. I think stupidest penalty giveaway goes to uh, goes to Aldershot, that second one. I mean, what was he doing? He just hacked him down, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I mean, uh, to be honest, at the time, I didn't have any complaints. I haven't seen the angle from the TV. It looked a little bit soft. Uh, the referee having already given the home side a penalty. Um, you know, but you can't afford, as my summariser, Anthony Charles, the former shot at the back, said yesterday, once the ball's in or on around the edge of the penalty area, you can't afford to wave a foot, can you? It's as simple as that because players will see or feel the slightest contact and, and, and go down. Uh, the shots felt a little bit aggrieved. They didn't get a penalty for themselves with Harry Paniatu uh, tugged when about to meet across at the other end. But off, often, boys, that's the way it goes, doesn't it, with the penalty appeals? You, you know, you, you tend to get them at home and not so much away. Yeah, and as Rob said, Paul McCallum, having missed last week, stepped up on Saturday and converted his. And Rob had a quick chat with him after the game. I managed to grab a brief word with Solly Holmore's striker, Paul McCallum. Paul, it's a second win of the season, seven points from nine. You're in second place in the early table. Uh, pleasing start to the season? Uh, yeah, obviously the results are very pleasing, but I think the performances. You know, I don't think we've we've started particularly well. I think in the change in the dressing room, we've got a lot more to give, and and it was a sucker punch to concede that that goal today. You know, it's it's always better to to win a game with a clean sheet. Now, uh, as far as you're concerned, um, you, your most prolific season last year, best season so far, wasn't it, Eastley? Obviously, that's well well documented and uh, and, and behind you now. Uh, have you set yourself any targets for this season? I, I, I come here to get promoted, you know, and as, as long as I'm doing my job, it gives the team the best the best opportunity to, to win games. And, you know, as a striker, I think you always want to get to double figures around Christmas and then, and then try and hit the 20 mark towards the end of the season. Luckily, last year, you know, I, I, I scored a, a lot of goals and I'm looking to replicate that again this season. Now, Terry Holtridge was obviously on penalties, but when, the, when you got a second one today after he'd missed... You had that ball before anyone could discuss it. Yeah, you? because you know the first game at Harrogate, you know I missed one, and then I, I always think if you miss one, you, you pass it on. You shouldn't, shouldn't. And then today we we got the early penalty. It was a foul on me where I was going to tap one in. Mm. I, I wanted to to obviously take the penalty, but I thought you know Tez scored the last one. He's on it. He's, he's mishit it. You know, keeps it. And then I think I think um, someone was looking after me today, you know, because we get a penalty and then so I managed to slot it slide away. Yeah, well, thanks ever so much for joining us. We wish you good luck for the rest of the season. A bit of a steal. He doesn't normally do these, listeners. So uh, thanks for joining us. We'll keep it brief. Cheers, Paul. And that was Paul McCallum. And and Robbie's looking good to uh, maybe equal or even better his goal tally from last season. I think so, especially if he sticks on penalties. Uh, He impressed me yesterday. Nathan Blissett alongside him didn't have such a a good game. But uh, McCallum, yeah, I'd like to think that he he can build on that... uh, prolific season last season, start to score goals prolifically at this level. He's quite a shy lad, I have to say. He was very reluctant to uh, to actually uh, have the chat, but uh, obviously the world, the world charm won him over in the end and, and it did a couple of minutes for us, but a uh, little bit of a coup there. And I'm just relieved, normally after all the shots um, play against some of the better strikers, I normally interviewed him after scoring a hat-trick and he did only get one yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, Rob, we've not talked about Aldershot much so far uh, in the two podcasts. So, in terms of in terms of them, I mean, is it looking a lot better than last season? It sounds like they're, they're certainly creating chances, they're scoring goals, and they're just a lot more. I don't know what's the word functional than they were last year. I think they're incredibly together. This this new side, I think they bonded really, really well and really quickly. The work rate is exactly what Danny Self promised. They will not be found wanting in that respect. Um, they're just lacking a little bit of quality with the final pass at the minute. And I know that's the uh, the age-old problem for teams, isn't it? But I do feel that that will come. Um, they've just got to stop shooting themselves in the foot by giving away silly penalties. And, you know, having played, you know, they, they've not been um, completely outplayed by the likes of Farland and Solihull. They have gifted them opportunities when it was difficult for the other side. So you'd like to think that better times lie ahead. Interesting week coming up. Um, you know, they will this time next week. They'll be playing Halifax. So I'll be able to comment more on Halifax's great start uh, and a midweek game to at home to Neil Smith's Bromley. Who I guess we could we could talk about now, couldn't we, Luke? In the thriller of the day yeah. in the National League. Game of the day, uh, isn't thrill- it? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Six goals shared. Uh, one of those where I think uh, Bromley were uh, ahead very, very early on through Jack Holland. And then Torquay turned things around. Well, they got level. Uh, Bromley went ahead again, and then Torquay went three-two up. And then Frankie Raymond, uh, Frankie Raymond scored direct from a corner in the 70th <laughs> minute to, to, to make it three-all. Um, and uh, both those two sides look as if they're going to have plenty of goals in them this season. Might just have a little bit more of an issue at the other end. Torquay obviously now conceded six goals in two games. Yeah, six different scores as well down there. And if you do see the highlights, and I think the wind and the rain assisted in some of those goals. But if, if you're <laughs> if you're if you're a manager, Chris is laughing at that. He's obviously seen some of them. But uh, yeah, if yeah. you're if you're, if you're the managers, you're tearing your hair out a bit, aren't you as well? Oh no, absolutely. I was going to say, I think you know, you know, in athletics, when someone sets a world record and the wind's too strong behind them and it doesn't actually count. I think in the uh, in the score there should be that that corner, the goal from the corner should have wind assisted in brackets next to it because <laughs> I mean what a, what a way to lose three points there and and uh, and, and get a draw. But uh, you know, fair play for him to, for putting it on the far post. Talking of Torquay, it's uh, been a solid start for them. Four points from three games. They'll have been disappointed. Obviously, the uh, they got absolutely gubbed at Sullyhull on Tuesday. They were three 0 down at half time, but. They started well last week against Bournemouth and then a point at Bromley isn't to be sniffed at either, is it? No, it's a decent enough start for Torquay. Uh, in the week, Gary Johnson was quoted as saying uh, it was an abject performance. It was awful from uh, from Torquay. They didn't turn up. To be honest, if you're going to pick a game to not turn up and play very well, then probably wasn't the worst opposition to do that against because they're very, very difficult to play against. Uh, you know, even if you're at the races, Solihull Moors, so... Uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, uh, Gary Johnson would be too perturbed. He'd probably just be a little bit frustrated that having scored three goals away from home yesterday, they ultimately couldn't hang on for the three points. Woking have had a, a decent start to life in the National League. Six points from nine games. The only defeat came against Aldershot, who they never beat anyway, Rob, did he? Let's be honest. But uh, a really good win against Harrogate on Saturday. Yeah, that one uh, really caught my eye, actually. Obviously, having seen Woking in the week, um, they didn't have a particularly good game against Aldershot. I caught um, Alan Dowson's post-match interview yesterday, and it's funny. He looked at the first six games 
uh, and uh, he thought five of them looked really, really tough. He thought the Aldershot game was winnable. Um, but ultimately, they've, they've, they've won away at Dagenham and won at home to Harrogate and lost the game against Aldershot. So it's, the points haven't come the way he thought they might, but he's actually given away there that he's very, very pleased with six goals in the first two games. Um, if you've seen the goal, it was a, a horrendous deflection. But who would deny him and Woking, you know, a little bit of luck and, and, and good fortune? They kept a clean sheet against Harrogate Town, who have been, you know, one of the most prolific sides in the National League. And that would have been a very frustrating uh, performance and result for Simon Weaver yesterday. Yeah, and, and that's two clean sheets in three games. And one thing they are looking is very solid at the back. I know they lost to Aldershot, but it was only by a goal to nil. And it, is the only concern maybe lack of goals for Woking, Rob? Yeah, it might be. I mean, it's really whether or not Dave Tarpey can find anything like the form he's had previously, uh, you know, in the past. I think they've kept Jake Hyde. He'll weigh in with, you know, probably double figures uh, by the end of the season for sure. But, um, you know, at the other end, you're absolutely right. And, uh, what a couple of great signings Alan Dowson's made there. A couple of thoroughbred uh, centre-backs from the National League. Manny Parry. Um, uh, who's obviously, uh, you know, more recently at Borenwood and Dover, and uh, Musa Diara, um, who I thought was their best player on Tuesday night against Orishaw. We'll move on to Charlie now, Chris, and uh, good start for them. Three points from three games, all draws. They scored the first goal on Saturday, Courtney Weapon, Walter, and they'll be slightly disappointed that they went 2-0 up and couldn't hold on, but I'm sure if he'd have offered Jamie Vermiglio three points from those three games, he'd have taken it. Oh, definitely. I think you'd have, I think you'd have bitten your hand off. Actually, um, they've adapted to life well in the national league so far. Um, it is slightly surprising from someone who saw them a lot last season. They wouldn't have lost that game last season because they they're really tight. And once they do score, I mean they're hard to break down anyway. But once they do score, they're, they're normally even harder. But this is a different level now, and um, obviously a long journey. They do have a lot of experience in that squad. It's not a young squad, but they've also got some, you know, fantastic young players as well. And uh, Courtney Mepp and Walter getting the the first goal as well was um, with his head was quite interesting. I don't think I've saw him seen him score from a header uh, before. But uh, yeah, good start to life in the in the national league for Sutton. Um, it's it's five points from 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 the three games so far, and a decent start for Matt Gray at Sutton. Somebody you know quite well. Yeah, he'll be really pleased that they uh, they remain unbeaten after three games. They're sat in quite a healthy position as well, eighth in the table, uh, albeit the early one. Um, and yesterday, yeah, showing the character to come back from two goals down uh, to Chorley. That one could have gone horribly wrong yesterday and it didn't. They pulled it round. So, yeah, uh, a decent start for Matt Gray. He certainly would have taken uh, five points in the first three games and unbeaten. Just wrapping up quickly, the rest of the National League results. Barrow, who divided opinion amongst our podcast team, um, they're going well again under Ian Effort. 2-0 win over uh, Eastleigh yesterday. Uh, Hartlepool season is up and running. They got a 1-0 win down at Maidenhead, who had previously started the season so well. Nico Muir on target for them. And just one other game to mention, and a quick word from, from Chris, I'm sure. Uh, Yeovil. One, Stockport County won uh, a late equaliser for, for Stockport and they showed a bit of medal. Uh, they're not going to lay down for anybody, Chris. 
No, absolutely. And um, whilst they've only got two points out of nine games and they're in the you know the very fledgling table, relegations on, I'm not concerned at all. In fact, I'm actually quite enthused because they've had two difficult away games on, on paper, albeit the teams um, who've got uh, relegated, who are also trying to find the feet. And they fought back from a goal down in, in both. And I've got to say, they were fantastic on Tuesday night against Notts County. They could have won that game 4-1, but they didn't in the end. Um, they fought back from a goal down at Yeovil yesterday as well. So I'm actually really enthused about the start. They've got two home games coming up. They're at Barrow, they've got Barrow at home on Tuesday night. Um, they're at home against uh, Eastleigh on Saturday as well. So... If one one win and they're back in mid table, and as you said earlier on in the pod, uh, Rob, don't even bother looking at the table till six or seven games, and I'm I'm taking that for, as well. So we're going to look now at the National League South. Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. And in the National League South, there are still three teams with a 100% record, and it's Concord flying high at the top as they win again, and they stay ahead of the double Ds, Dorkin and Dulwich. And who'd have predicted that after three games, Rob? Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's another one of those don't, don't be too fooled by the early table, but a really good start for Concord. What I am impressed about with them, they've always been, it's always been a difficult place to go, not one of those that you look forward to on your away travels. Uh, but they have rebuilt very quickly and very well. To see them start with so much momentum, momentum is such a surprise as, as they've lost kind of half the half the team to uh, Hamill along with the manager. So a great start for them beating Slough 2-1 and also uh, a great start for, um, you know, one of the teams that we spoke to the manager last week, didn't we, uh, Dorking Wanderers. It's early days and you've, got to, you've obviously got to look at the opposition that they play over the course of 10, 12 games and not just the first three, but uh, they couldn't really have started any better um, and uh, well done to them. Uh, Bath City, just below them, we thought would do well and, and they've consolidated, again, a great uh, 3-0 win away at Be- uh, Welling United yeah. yesterday. Tyler Harvey uh, but, scoring but really, again. He's uh, had a good start to the season for Bath, hasn't he? Yeah, really, really good start for him. That one was from the penalty spot, but uh, yeah, he knows where the goal is. That lad, doesn't he? Uh, and someone else who's uh, rediscovered where the goal is is Josh McCoy, who uh, plays for my National League South team of the weekend, and that's Weymouth, who uh, uh, won yesterday four-one at home to uh, a fancied uh, Chelmsford City side. And no better time after a great start, fifth place, seven points out of nine to catch up uh, with an old friend, the uh, Weymouth manager, Mark Molesley. I'm delighted to be joined by the Weymouth manager now, Mark Molesley. Mark, it must have been a whirlwind seven days, let alone the build-up in pre-season. How's the first uh, few games gone for you? Um, yeah, I think on on, uh, on paper it's going to be a difficult start, so I think we're probably delighted with the uh, points return that we've had. Um, it's been a, an exciting start for us. We've had some real seen some real tough teams and it's been uh, you know we're, le- we're learning a lot and we're learning quickly um, but one thing I will say is we're, we're delighted to be here and we're, we're determined to enjoy it as much as we can but also trying to do ourselves justice on the pitch as well Yeah, um, just looking over the seven days, you you, you, you picked up uh, four points out of the two games at home culminating in a, a tremendous 4-1 win yesterday against Chelmsford City. We'll come to that in just a minute. But uh, your first game last weekend was away from home and you got off to a good start there. Just talk us through that. Yeah, I think that, that's key. It's always 
you know, you like to get that that first win chalked off and to get it straight away was uh, was great. You know, it really does a lot for confidence, especially going into a new league and uh, and also playing a, a really good side in Maidstone as well. You know, they're they're full time. I think they're they're much fancied to be up and around the reaches at the top of the of the top of the league. So. Uh, it was important we got off to a good start, and uh, it wasn't just the the win; it was also the performance as well. You know, we, we stayed true to ourselves in, in the way that we play and in the way that we believe. The, you know, the way we believe in in the way that the game should be played. And um, like I said, it was a, a, good, a good three points. Looking at the whole full time part time thing, Mark, you've been involved with both. Um, do you think you really see? the difference at this early point of the season or often can it can it start to show itself as the season wears on? I think as the season progresses it starts to become an even bigger advantage. Uh, I think this start of the season I think will suit the full-time teams just in terms of, of recovery. You know, like our lads are, are getting up and going to work in the morning and training late at night, games, travelling. You know, that starts to take its toll. So it's, it's just more the, the mentality and the, and, the, and the physicality where, um, you know, the full-time teams can recover and, and look after their players probably a little bit better. But at the early starts of the season, um, you know, it's, 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 it's fairly... Um, it's fairly tight, I think, between 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 it. But like you said, as as the season progresses, you know they get more training sessions, they get more conditioning, more recovery. So that's when it becomes a bit more of an advantage, I think. Yeah, and when you're in the thick of it, you've played Saturday and Tuesday. How hard or easy is it to uh, to try and get good information on, say, the likes of Chelmsford City? You come up against yesterday. They're expected to do well. They're consistently up the right end of the division. And yet, ultimately, you put them to the sword four one. Is that just about focusing on the best that your team can deliver, or, or do you get the chance to kind of look for weaknesses in their team? No, it's, it's certainly difficult with such a quick turnaround, and uh, you know, trying to get that information over to the players. I mean, it's, it's always a lot easier being able to share that information, but also then do some work on the training field. And it, it's always difficult to get that time, especially after you've had so many games. You can't even work the lads too hard on that one training session on that Thursday so we're, we're, we're very fortunate at Weymouth well I'm very fortunate at Weymouth I'm surrounded with some fantastic staff and um, you know we try and be as professional as we can and we try and prepare the best we can and I've got some real um, hard working staff behind the scenes that um, you know without them these results wouldn't be possible because you know we, we, we do try and do our homework and we, and we do try and prepare the best we can like on, 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 on all aspects whether it's our physical and our recovery with our, with our physio or whether it's you know some analysis or, or, or my coaching staff putting on some, some sessions which will give us the best possible chance so um, mm. it's, it's a completely multidisciplinary um, approach that we have and um you know, everyone plays their part, and I'm very fortunate to have a great, uh, great team behind me off the field. Brilliant stuff. And just final question for you, Mark. Um, I know managers don't like to highlight players individually, but uh, you made the decision in pre-season to make Josh McCoy your skipper this season. Um, he's somebody who's threatened to do well at a higher level. Uh, he showed at times at Torquay and briefly at Aldershot on occasions what he can do, but he really seems to have found his feet and settled in hat-trick against Chelmsford. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret. Josh McCoy's had a, a difficult past sort of, you know, two, three seasons with injury and, and hasn't quite got into his rhythm or his stride. And, then, and you know, that's the only reason he's at Weymouth. I mean, Josh, you know, if he didn't have the injury problems, he'd be playing a lot a lot higher. I mean, 
he's played in the championship. You know, he's represented his country, so he's a you know a player of great vast experience, and it's been a bit he's been been unfortunate with injuries, and it's and he finds himself with us now. But what I can say is he's been a, a breath of fresh air since he's come through the door, and unfortunately we lost him early last year. But I think if he would if he was he was only ever going to be short term with us probably last year just to get some games get fit and I'm sure he would have gone on but unfortunately football has some nasty twists and turns and uh, he picked up an injury and, and then missed the, most of the season last season Brilliant well great start for Josh McCoy great start for yourself Mark thanks for joining us and uh, we'll catch up with you again later in the season I look forward to that thanks for your time Down at the bottom there's four teams without any points so far that's Hampton and Richmond Borough You've got Slough Town there, you've got Tunbridge and you've got Braintree who got absolutely battered by Wheelstone 4-0 at home and having come straight down from the National League, I'm sure they wouldn't have expected this start. No, I don't think they will have done, for sure. Obviously, it's a new manager and he's bedding in new players, but Braintree need to quickly rediscover their home form in particular because... uh, Certainly at the level above, it was one of those grounds you dreaded going to. Um, and they need to rediscover that. Obviously, Wealdstone, a lot savvier. They've got a new manager too. They started really well. Two wins out of the first three games for them as well. So poor start for Braintree. Perhaps we suspected it might be difficult for Tunbridge Angels, who we just mentioned. Hampton and Richmond Borough too haven't been the same side since Dowson left. But uh, Slough Town... Uh, and I've got to hold my hand up here. A team that I, I, I picked to kick on this season. Very, very tough side to beat normally. Uh, but no, three defeats in the opening three games for them. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah, all by all by one goal margins as well. And, and they lost to Hungerford in midweek as well. Maidstone United have found their stride after a, a slow start this season. Uh, they got a 3-1 win away at Hungerford, for whom James Constable scored the winning goal in the week, didn't he? And he got him off and running again yesterday in the first half, but Maidstone held firm and came back in that one. Um, elsewhere, uh, there was that t- decent away win for Hamill Hampshire. They just sat in the playoff position after the first three games. Um, and um, one other game we do have to mention, Luke, um, is Chippenham. They've picked up five points in the opening three games, so unbeaten. And they took the scalp of Billericay Town yesterday. Goals at either end of the match from Hooper and Jarvis. Saw them see off Billericay 2-0 and a great result for them. Yeah, Matt Reed missed a penalty as well. He had that well saved by Will Puddy. So first defeat of the season for Billericay. So really interesting at the top there of the South Division. Okay, so we're going to look now at the National League North. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. In the National League North, Dickie, it's York who go back to the top of the table. They won at home against Brackley Town, so they've now got they've now got seven points, and they're a point ahead of Geisley, who were currently top, but they lost at Southport. So uh, that's a really good win again for York, especially beating Brackley at home. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, obviously, seven points from nine is ex- probably exactly the kind of start they would have wanted. Um, they and they had uh, not they had Fosley Celtic on Tuesday night who um, got a draw with them. Otherwise, potentially that could be nine out of nine for York. Um, obviously, there's a lot of expectation around them this season with the signings they've made. But so far, they've delivered on that early days. But uh, yeah, a goal from Andy Bond, who they signed from Foyle over the summer. 
uh, got them a 1-0 win over Brackley. And, and that's unusual for Brackley because they, I think they've lost two out of their three so far. They're, they're closer to the bottom end of the table, but wouldn't expect them to stay there for long. Too much experience in that side for that to, that to remain the state of affairs. Also, another team who are unbeaten and are well-fancied this year are Chester. And in midweek, I went to see them and as they secured a last-minute equaliser against Altrincham. And after the game, I caught up with joint manager Bernard Marley to talk about milestones and season's prospects. So I'm here with uh, Chester joint manager Bernard Marley after the 1-1 draw with Altrincham. And entertaining game, not a lot of chances, but something was always happening, wasn't it? Yeah, um, two good sides um, coming head to head. I feel like we try to express ourselves a little bit more um, tonight than, than they did. Uh, I feel like Altrincham have adapted. I think they've uh, learnt to be a little bit more uglier in terms of games. They went one nil up and, and, and tried to slow the game down, which is is the game, unfortunately. Yeah. But we've uh, we've managed to stay. Uh, we've been relentless. We've uh, we've, we've built pressure throughout mm. uh, since after the 11th minute goal. We've built pressure from then on. Uh, on another day, you know, potentially score three or four. But unfortunately, we've not. We've yeah, but. You know, overwhelmed with the way the lads have played tonight in terms of getting a set back in the game and getting a draw. Uh, if you're going to have success this season, that's what you need, isn't it? You know, grinding it out at times, having to really battle. Yeah, we we, we can we can set our stall out and we can yeah. play through the thirds and take chances, take risks and play well and then lose a game of football. We know this league, it's our fourth season in it. Uh, we know what it takes to win it. Um, obviously you need to have the right players and the right quality however once, you, once you've given a, a group of players and you build a squad you've got to utilise that the best you can which I feel like we we will get there um, you know like I say for every team six and a half weeks in but we're starting to see signs in, in these two games which we didn't see last season and finishing ninth just three points out of the playoffs I'm, I'm, I'm sure this, this, this side can go a couple better. I was going to say last season, circumstances was kind of out of your hands at times with injuries and then the flooding here. You were always playing catch up. So I presume is playoffs a minimum this year? Yeah, in terms of mine and John's sort of desire to, to want to do well, you know, that's, that's, that's just how it is. That's what we are. I feel like supporters will want that success as well, mm. and rightly mm. so. The people that, you know, the, the fans that work here and the people that work here for free will want to see that, and I think they deserve that. If we don't finish in the playoffs, you know, you soon go off the radar. Yeah. So it's important that, you know, for us personally and, and, and the squad of players that we've built, that we, we, we set ourselves uh, a target, which will be playoffs. And, and let's see where it takes us. And Saturday you had a milestone. It's crept up quick. 500 games, wasn't it? It was your 501st tonight. And what's what's been the secret really to the success? <laughs> Hard work. Um, keep believing. You, listen, you always get knocked down, um, and it's important that you, if you get knocked down, you get back up, brush yourself down, go again. Uh, a lot of people will know what I'm relating to by saying that. Yeah. Um, we, we never dead me and John. We, we, we'll always try and get the best out of our players. However, we do that. Some players will agree with it. One or two won't. That's just how football is. That's just the style of management and coaching. I believe that in, in terms of you know, since we started ten years ago, we've we've improved massively, massively as man management, um, coaching a lot more now. With the players ourselves so we're now starting to see patterns and, and phases of play out there that we, we can relate to that we're working on the on the grass uh, in our own time and, it, and it's good you, you sort of get the bus for it uh, and you, you want to get back on there Thursday night now and sort of maybe rectify one or two mistakes that you know we've seen tonight I was going to say what's the biggest thing you've learnt then over those 500 games if you could pick one thing out I, I've always said it if, if you could bottle what you know, if you could put in a bottle of pot, what me and John are, yeah. you know, you'd sell. We're we <laughs> yeah. winners. That's yeah. that's what we are, and and, and you know, we're, we're aggressive with our players, yeah. how we speak to them. But ultimately, 
that's just how we are. Mm. You know, it's not a bullying tactic in any way, shape, or form. Mm. It's just we have a way of applying ourselves. You either like it or you don't. Mm. It's you know, it's it's just how it is. But I, I do believe that ten years in, you know, you look back, you reflect on what you've learned and how far we've come. Um, we'll build on that tonight, and, and we're starting to see sort of a style of play that we've implemented this season, which we're going to build on. And, you, and you're still young enough to get another 500 games in, I suppose. 35 year old, and it's 36. <laughs> you know, I know I look a little bit older than that. However, that's no, the 500 games. It's took it out. Yeah. Well, that's what people say. You know, if you learn. <laughs> stress very stressful yeah. if you're a winner and I always say this if you're a winner it, it, you don't enjoy football no. if you're a winner you want to win every game um, however we, we've accepted yeah. 10 years into it that you know we can't win every game yeah. in terms of mitigating circumstances red cards bad decisions own goals mm. them type of things but we, 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 we have a sort of we have a vision and, and, and 10 years into it I would like to think we're creeping closer and closer towards that vision um, and, and hopefully in the next couple of years we'll, you know, we'll get to where we want to be and that was Chester's joint manager, Bernard Marley. And as I say, they've, they've celebrated just over 500 games. Dickin, where's that come from? It only seems like five minutes ago they were starting out. It, well, it, it would seem that way. But obviously, you know, since they started out in management, they've certainly always been in demand. They've never been out of work for, for very long at all. So, uh, and with teams having the amount of success that they've had, you know, they, they've quickly racked up those games between them. So um, quite a milestone for them. Yeah, and they carried on their unbeaten run on Saturdays. They beat Farsley Celtic by two goals to one. Yeah, that, was it. that was the first defeat for, for Farsley, that one. They've had a, you know, a, a reasonable start to their uh, their campaign, stepping up from oh, yeah. um, the yeah. ABU stick last year. Yeah, to, to beat Darlington at home and then go to York and get a point is, a, is no... No bad start at all. Probably the result of the day was Kings Limby in Hereford, who've had a, a decent start to the season. They got four points from their opening two games, but Kings Lynn, after that opening day defeat at Geisley, have now won their last two. Yeah, they've they've bounced back from that uh, from that opening day defeat. Whether that's, uh, I think we spoke when we did our season preview podcast about Kings Lynn, and I think we all suggested that. Um, what, what would play very strongly in their favour is that teams wouldn't fancy the travelling all the way over to East Anglia to play them. They've had two home games following on from that opening day defeat and they've won them both. So uh, making their home ground into a, a fortress is, is going to be a big thing for them, this I think, this season. And we chatted about Geisley. They went to Southport, who'd had 2 nil nil so far and do. Uh, so they've been very solid at the back, but haven't been scoring. But that all changed on Saturdays. They won by three goals to nil. And it's fair to say I didn't see that result coming. No, I didn't see that one coming at all. I mean, um, uh, wouldn't expect Southport to, to continue just racking up draws, to be perfectly honest. But Geisley had had a, a strong start. And I think that might have been, uh, yeah, that was Southport's first win. So, But we're at that point in the, the season, aren't we? And that nobody can really tell. Um, how teams are going to go at the moment. Uh, Rob said in his, I think, talking about the National League that we shouldn't read too much into the league table until we're maybe about eight games or so in. Yeah, but but that's a, it's good for Liam Watson. I think that I'd sp- I spotted a little bit of criticism for him last week, um, probably around the fact that Jason Gilchrist had left the club to go to South Shields and had started scoring for them. Um, and that after a nil-nil draw, their fans were a little bit disenchanted. But, um, yeah, that's good. Another team who, I think, is it would it be harsh to call them this season's Geisley? They, they, they love a nil-nil, as uh, Gate said. They, they've had um, three draws so far, two nil-nil and one one-one draw. 
Yeah, they have had three draws so far. Um, probably quite contrasting ones as well. I don't know so much about their 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 goal their game with Southport on the opening weekend. Obviously, in midweek they led away at Darlington till really really late in the game. So I watched them at Telford. Um, pretty even first half, but it'd be fair to say that Telford had the upper hand in the second half. Gave them a bit of a battering, but just couldn't score. I mean that you've got to say. Heads, to Gateshead's credit, you know, they've come away from a game which they look like they could easily have lost. And they've got a point and it's a long away trip. So I'm sure Mike Williamson will be pretty, pretty satisfied with that, to be honest. We'll look at the bottom of the table in a minute, but um, a game that was really interesting for, for various reasons. It was down in Warwickshire at, at Leamington, where during the week, Paul Holleran celebrated his 500th game in charge, another manager who's had 500 games. And, and they played Curzon Ashton, a team who started the season really well. And, and I know we shouldn't read too much into the table, and I, and I predicted him to go down, but they're currently in third place, and they got a last-minute equaliser, didn't they? Yeah, it, it could have been better for Leamington. Leamington could have been sat there on um, on seven points had they not been pegged back late on. I think a factor in that was the fact that they were down to ten men for well before even half time when they had junior English dismissed for two bookable offences. They led at that point Josh March, who was a summer arrival. He'd scored from the penalty spot to put Lemington ahead. So I think there's bound to be disappointment that they didn't hold on to all three points so late in the game, but but with but against 10 men. And, you know, that's a good point for Curzon Ashton as well. That keeps them ticking along nicely. They're uh, unbeaten so far, five points from nine. But for Lemington, I mean, a lot of people always predict them to struggle, but they're a very solid National League North side, aren't they? They absolutely are, yeah. And and I suppose my theory with Leamington is that, um, that, that there's almost like a cultivation of the, the idea that Leamington are um, underdogs and that nobody backs them and they are little old Leamington defying the odds. There's a lot more to Leamington than that. Uh, Paul Holleran, I say, you don't get to manage a team for 500 matches without knowing exactly what you're doing. He He, he knows the Midlands non-league scene like the back of his hand. He picks up, you know, diamonds and polishes them and they either, you know, move on to bigger clubs having benefited Leamington along the way. Well, look at Matt Um, Stenson, Dickie. I mean, he he saw him play for Leamington and now he's doing it in the division above. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's what, that's what Leamington do. Um, And so, yes, in some senses, why they, enjoy that tag of being the team that nobody rates, the team that nobody fancies. But actually, I think if you were to go around the management teams of the teams actually in the National League North, you'd find there's there's a lot of respect there for Leamington. There's certainly a huge amount of respect for Paul Holleran and what he's achieved and also the way he goes about what he does as well. I, I've, I very, in, in fact, I don't recall hearing um, a bad word said about Paul Holleran. Um, from anybody and you know just the way that um, he just quietly goes about his business is um, you know it's great to see I mean celebrating his 500th game with a win on Tuesday night against Brackley was a terrific result and yeah and and they started last season as well um, as they've done this season they did fall away a little bit so he'll be hoping that they can maintain it a bit more this season I think we're going to head down to the bottom now where the sack race has already begun. Bradford became the first club 
to part company with their manager this week. And it was Gary Thompson who lasted two games. They were both 5-0 defeats. They lost again on Saturday, 3-0 at home to Kidderminster. So that's three games now, three defeats and 13 goals conceded. Yeah, it's it's been a, a horrific start for, for Avenue. Um, they have got a new interim management team in place. As you say, Gary Thompson um, departed the club on Wednesday and they soon had Marcus Law, the former Kettering Town manager, in his place, assisted by Lee Fowler, who I think most recently has been at Ilkeston as manager and he's, he's really well known as a player around non-league circles as well. Obviously asking a lot for them to to turn around something straight away and they weren't able to do that yesterday. I had heard, or There was certainly a statement put out from the club in midweek saying that Gareth Roberts, who's the man who, who puts money into Bradford Park Avenue, he's the chairman. Now, I think Gareth Roberts, there was a suggestion in a statement, or more than a suggestion put out by him, that um, he'd left some of the running of the club um, to other people and had perhaps become a bit remote from it. Obviously wasn't happy with what he'd seen with two 5-0 defeats in the opening games and, and took swift action. I mean, it looks it looks very harsh in some respects, but I suppose from Gary Thompson's point of view, he doesn't, it doesn't damage his reputation massively in that he can look at that and go, well, you know, I wasn't given a, enough time at Bradford Park Avenue if anybody ever questions him about that. So whether it's the right move, we'll wait and see. Uh, they've got a very young squad there, so... Know, finding somebody you can get the right messages across to them and I think certainly um, get them to sort of keep their heads up when things aren't going well um, is going to be the challenge but um, it's not nice to see them down there it's not nice to see anybody you know sort of like taking that kind of a beatings earlier in the season and and that's for the and it doesn't do a huge amount for the competitiveness of the league as well to have somebody in there who perhaps teams feel they're going to turn over regardless of who you know they send down there. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's been a, a bit of a tumultuous week there. It's a similar story as well at Blythe Spartans, obviously without the managerial sacking, but again, lost a lot of players over the summer, virtually the whole team. Young squad, Lee Clark's gone in there and it was another defeat for them on Saturday and they're still searching for the first points. Yes, they are. They have only played two games because um, they were due to be at Spennymoor Town on Tuesday night, but... Um, owing to um, the ground developments and pitch relaying that Spennymoor being delayed, that game has been moved back to, I think, the middle of September. So, yeah, uh, it's it's two games without any reward so far for Blythe. Um, I think uh, I think they're yesterday away at Alfreton Town, you know, that under a Billy Heath team, they're not the easiest to go up against. I think they'd have been more disappointed with the home reverse against Gloucester City last week when they would have hoped to kick that off with with a win. Um, and it's a tough task for Lee Clark, admittedly, you know, uh, has, has brought in, you know, some decent players, the likes of Scott Fenix come in. But, um, yeah, they need to get going and they need to get going soon because if you fall behind in the National League North, it could be a long goal season. Well, that is it for this week. Thank you very much for joining us, Dickie. You're very welcome, Luke. Thanks yeah, for joining us, Chris. Cheers, guys. Bye. Rob, thanks for joining us. Pleasure as always, boys. Don't forget to subscribe to us via iTunes and Spotify and then it'll be uploaded to your device every week. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Happy football watching and we'll be back next week.